Hello, listeners. Beyond the Mask, in conjunction with NBC RNA, is pleased to announce that listening to our podcast can earn you Class B credits. For more information on how to submit them, go to our website. Beyond the Mask is made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. With almost two decades of experience, the firm guides CRNAs through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Schedule a free consultation today by calling 855-304-3748 or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Beyond the Mask, innovation and opportunities for CRNAs with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. We know you spend your day caring for your patient's best interests. On our show, we want to care for you. Join us as we leave the operating room and learn the latest in the CRNA industry. Beyond the Mask starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, Welcome to Beyond the Mask. I'm Jeremy Stanley, and I've been working with CRNAs for over 23 years, and I'm married to one. And my co-host is... Sharon Pierce. Sharon's a practicing CRNA for over 20 years, a past president of the ANA, the NCANA, and she's held many other leadership roles. As usual, our goal with every episode is to educate and enlighten CRNAs, and I think our topic today is definitely going to do that. And Sharon, what time is it? It's time to wake up, Jeremy. I think it is. Well, Sharon... Welcome to the studio once again here. Oh my gosh, it's so good to be back, masked and all. Masked and, you know, together again. (laughs) (laughs) How big of a mask did you have to get to get over that nose, Jerry? Well, I won't go down that path with you. You know what they say about men with big noses, big masks. Boy, what a way to start this one off, Sharon. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Especially with the guest we have. I know, I know. <laughs> this is going to be interesting because I know that you two know each other pretty well. Very well. And so, you know, it's kind of like some of the episodes that we've done in the past when Sharon has folks that she knows very well and they're good friends. You know, I just kind of sit back and just listen to them, like <laughs> going back and forth, like they've got a bottle of wine and talk about everything in between. So that's but, it. Well, why don't you introduce our guest today? Well, our guest today is Judge April Wood. And let me tell you how I met April. Whenever I was running for the state house here in North Carolina, her husband was running for superior court judge at the time. And, you know, we all kind of go along the same circuits, stumping. And I would see April at every single place that we would go. So fast forward, I lost. Unfortunately, her husband also lost. And my campaign manager, as you guys all know, was Kimberly Gordon. And I told her, I said, I think I really like April Wood. (laughs) And I said, I think we need to get to know her just a little bit better. And 
Kimberly was kind of, well, I don't know. I said, she's really very smart. I think she's really very smart, and I want to know her better. And so I ran into April Uptown one day, and she was with somebody who used to be a Fox News reporter. And she said, hey, how are you? Good to see you. Why don't we get together sometime? And I said, actually, I will be at Sophie's, which is a little wine bar Mm -hmm. in Lexington. I said, I'm meeting Kimberly tonight why don't you meet us there for a drink she said okay what time so I told her 6 30 and Kimberly was getting there at six so when Kim got there at six I said Judge April Wood's coming to meet us in 30 minutes and she was kind of grousing just a little bit and we closed Sophie's down We did. And what Sharon doesn't tell you is that right after our conversation and we were getting ready to leave, she said, you know, April, now I've got to know you. I actually like you. (laughs) (laughs) And that was history because after that, we we started meeting once a week. Yes. And we still continue to meet once a week almost. School's gotten in the way just a little bit. Yeah, just Um, of everything. Yeah, just a little bit. But every single week we meet and I've learned a tremendous amount that all CRNAs need to know. And so that's why we have April here with us. So I guess I'll shut up. And why don't you tell us just a little bit about your career, April? I'll be happy to do that. So I am a district court judge in North Carolina. I've had the honor and privilege of serving as a district court judge since 2002. So almost 18 years now. And for those of you who don't know what a district court judge does, I know most people think about criminal court when they think about judges and they always say, are you going to lock them up? And (laughs) I do handle some criminal matters, but as a district court judge, I handle a lot of cases that involve children and families. So anything Mm -hmm. that involves abuse and neglect of children children, where the Department of Social Services is involved, juvenile delinquents who've been charged with committing crimes, child custody cases, support cases, and termination of parental rights. And of course, in those cases, especially in DSS cases, I hear a lot of testimony from doctors and nurses on a regular Uh basis. And that's one of the things that Sharon and I started talking about is when doctors and nurses have to come to court, what is the judge looking for? and, Mm -hmm. And that's how I started speaking at a lot of different events with Sharon, for especially CRNA conferences. But I live in Lexington with my husband and our three wonderful children. I have a daughter who is a senior in college. It's hard for me to wrap my head around that because it seems like I just brought her home from the hospital yesterday. Yes. <laughs> I have a, my oldest son is a freshman in college. They both go to UNC Chapel Hill. And our youngest child and blessing from the Lord, surprise, is Anthony. And he is starting <laughs> high school this year. All right. Well, you kind of sound not quite as good as my spread. You know, I've got a, a junior in college. And uh, a kindergartner. Oh, so, wow. uh, okay. And another one in preschool. There you go. You have a little wider spread there than I do. Then. Yeah. Well, see, you had all of yours by the same man. He did not have all of his by the same woman. Oh, I was going to, I hope you weren't going to say the same thing. <laughs> but, you know, there is no woman that will intentionally have one in college and have one in preschool. Oh, that is true. <laughs> yeah. So, you know that, you knew that going forward. But let's go back to this whole thing about what a judge looks for and we (laughs) another good story we (laughs) she's full of them (laughs) we went on a wine tasting tour we rented a 14 person limousine and there were three of us in it (laughs) okay 
plenty of room. <laughs> and I was the chair of our state meeting for Kimberly. Kimberly was president at the time. And while we were on this winery tour, somebody called me and said, uh, one of the speakers said, I am not going to be able to make the meeting after mm. all. And so I just kind of looked across the limo at Kimberly and showed her this, and I just kind of pointed to the judge. <laughs> I'm like, I think we got us a speaker here. Yeah. And she came and spoke in her robes, which is very powerful. Because oh. haven't you always want to know what a judge has under the robes, right? <laughs> The right judge, Karen. The go. right judge. Um, it was not my idea to speak in my robe. Let me just tell you, Sharon is a very, uh, you know, forceful. Persuasive. Persuasive. Yes. Yes. She is persuasive. Um, but, you know, we had had a lot of these discussions during our weekly meetings, and yeah. it was very enlightening to me. Nonverbal behavior is admissible in court. But why don't you give us a little overview of really if I have to testify – and I have done some yeah. testifying as expert witness. But what does a judge look for when you look at somebody who is testifying? Well, as you mentioned, nonverbal testimony, it can be just as important as verbal testimony. So how a person presents himself on the witness stand is evidence to the judge. So if someone is twitching and fidgeting and, you know, kind of sighing and making different gestures, then the judge is going to take that into account and think, well, you might not be telling me the truth. You might be right. trying to hide something. And so, you know, there is body language as evidence. And so we always look at the demeanor of the witness. But most importantly, when people are testifying, we want to make sure they know what they're talking about. And so mm -hmm. the one thing I can't stress enough is if you know you're going to court for a specific case, review your notes. Prepare for it a And prepare bit. for it a little bit. <laughs> Nothing's more embarrassing. And this has happened before in my courtroom than having the witness on the witness stand and the witness testifying. Everybody in the courtroom looking around going, what? kind of case are they talking about i don't know what they're talking about <laughs> yeah. and then afterwards realizing they testified about the wrong case oh and about goodness. the wrong facts and circumstances and part of that is they didn't prepare yeah. uh, and so prepare be prepared when you go into the courtroom and make sure that you're knowledgeable you know what you're talking about and most importantly it is okay to say, I don't know. And people don't ever want to say that. They don't want to admit they don't know the answer to something. So a lot of times they'll make it up as they go along where wow. they'll try to fudge to try to sound smarter than they really are. Mm -hmm. And that always ends up abiding them in the end because, you know, I guarantee that the lawyers who are handling the case know everything there is to know about their case. They've researched right. it. They are going to be very prepared for the witnesses that come in the courtroom. So the worst thing you can do is to make up something or to try to make up an answer when you really don't know what the answer is. It's okay to say, I don't know. I can't answer that question and only testify about what you've actually observed unless you're, of course, testifying as an expert and you're asked to give an expert opinion. Well, I know that now, I think over at Baptist program and probably a lot of them, the SRNAs actually go through an actual court case. I think they have oh, to be jury right. and judge. So they're trying that's to prepare great. them more. But, you know, I, I get the feeling that, you know, a lot of people are probably nervous when they enter a courtroom. They don't know what's going to happen. It's not their environment. Now, I'll tell you, I've been in a couple of cases where I've had to go in the courtroom 
And, you know, I really felt empowered, like I should have been an attorney or something, you know. Um, <laughs> Your second and, career. And in fact, you know, I would go back and forth a little bit, you know, not too much, not over the top to look. But, you know, I felt empowered. I, I really liked that kind of stuff. But I imagine a lot of CRNAs and a lot of people in general would feel very nervous in front of not only a courtroom, but a judge who might be deciding their fate. And they probably do. And you're right about that. But as long as you're telling the truth and you're always being open and honest, then you really don't have anything to worry about because the role of the court is to be the, you know, finder of the truth. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for what actually happened, what actually occurred. And so we're just fact finders. And so as long as you're open and you're honest and you don't try to, you know, him and ha and you know, make things up, then you really don't have a lot to be worried about. Because at the end of the day, your honesty is going to come out, the judge is going to believe you, you're going to be persuasive. And even if you don't necessarily prevail in the case, if it's against you, the consequences may not be as bad as they were if you, you know, weren't honest and truthful, and you try to cover things up. Yeah. What about, you know, I think another thing that I always think about in court is, I've been to court and I've seen people's dress in court and the way they come to court. How should someone dress when they come to court, April? Well, you should definitely not just roll out of bed and walk <laughs> into court in your PJs and you laugh. Has that happened? Let me tell you, there are some people who come that look like they just rolled out of bed. They didn't bother wow. to comb their hair. And sometimes that I'm pretty only sure. Works for Michael Jackson, yeah, right? There you go. <laughs> sometimes I think they're wearing their bedroom slippers too. So don't do that. Um. So come to court dressed to impress because how you appear in the courtroom and the the way you present yourself is also non-verbal evidence. And so dress like you are going to church or dress like you're going to a high-power business meeting, but dress to impress. Good good points. But I, I really do like sharing the fact that they are now teaching the SRNAs how to interact in a courtroom mm-hmm. setting. I think that's very smart because, you know, we're hearing more and more about CRNAs around the country getting sued being pulled into suits, even if it was not their fault, they're still being pulled into it. Obviously, a good attorney is going to pull everybody in they can. And CRNAs and like everybody needs to be prepared for that and understand, you know, how to conduct themselves. So I think it's very good. I just wonder who's the judge at these proceedings. I I think it's it's one of the students. Wow. I believe it's one of the students. I know that they're the prosecutors and they make up the jury. And I believe one of the students is the judge, if I remember right. I might be wrong on that, but I remember seeing it thinking, gosh, I'd like to go there and kind of sit in on that. I think it'd be kind of cool. That's interesting. Well, you talk about CRNAs being involved in the judiciary. And April has pointed out that you can be involved and it may have not anything to do with health care. Uh, right. What if I witnessed an accident right. or yeah. something like that? So we may actually cross paths with the judiciary. But one of the biggest things that April has taught Kimberly and I is the importance of us to be aware of the judiciary. Mm. And you and I have talked about some of this. You know, a, there's a lot of things that are wind, winding up in the courts. I know just in North Carolina, whenever they started promulgating office-based guidelines in the early 2000s, interestingly enough, it wound up in the court system. Mm. And, well, we sued the Board of Medicine. 
wound up in the court system, and ultimately it wound up in the Court of Appeals. Yeah. Hmm. And I knew nothing about the judiciary at that time, but you're running for the Court of Appeals now, aren't you? I am running for the Court of Appeals, yes. (laughs) After 18 years as a trial judge in the district court, I'm running for the Court of Appeals, which is the intermediary appellate court in North Carolina. And do all states have a Court of Appeals? Do you know? Not every state has a intermediate court of appeals mm-hmm. they all have a supreme court okay. but north carolina you know has the trial court divisions which are district and superior court where all your trials take place and then we have the court of appeals who handles almost all of the appeals that come out of the trial courts with very few exceptions right. cases go to the court of appeals before they go to the supreme, supreme court, court right. and then the court of appeals judges sit in panels of three there's 15 judges at the court of appeals they're divided into panels of three by the chief judge and then they hear the case and they look to see if the judge in the trial court got it right or not they're not hearing the evidence again they're just looking at what happened in the trial court and if they uphold it by three to zero that case ends at the supreme court but if it's a two to one decision then that case goes up to the supreme court did i say that case ends at the supreme court it ends at the court of appeals court of appeals right (laughs) right it never gets to the supreme court it never gets to the supreme court if it's three to zero okay and because that's it. <laughs> that's it. Right. So I'd say that's pretty important if you're going to appeal a case to understand that. Well, I mean, again, we are seeing a lot of cases wind up in the courts. I know whenever yeah. Cheryl Nemo was president, they were going to sue Novitas over yeah. yep, that's right. uh, reimbursement problems for CRNAs. So this is something that we need to be aware of well you know now with covid i mean you know you guys are airway management i mean cases of covid that might end up in a litigious type situation for crnas i could see that being an issue well i will tell you yes but i will tell you this crnas don't wind up in court a whole lot over the care that they give that's the reason why our malpractice insurance is so inexpensive because crnas are typically not sued because you're the best because right? we are That's the it. best <laughs> but you know we are seeing all of these things going on across the country as far as barriers to our practice yes. and they are going to wind up in the judiciary a lot of times they're going to wind up in the in the judiciary and think about it even whenever our practice act was started in what 91 92 for nurse anesthetists where we got defined within the nurse practice act we wound up in court over that because the medical society sued us we sued them there was a consent order you know there was a lot of judicial stuff going on so if crnas wanted to pay attention to the judiciary why don't you tell us a little bit i I know kimberly and i have grilled you incessantly about (laughs) you know how these elections work a lot of people don't realize that judges have to be elected how long are terms tell us some of those things well so there are 
50 states, all right, in the, in the United States. And I know that you have listeners in most of those states. So this might not apply to all listeners because some states do not elect their judges. And oh. some states, the judges are appointed either by the governor or by a special committee. Sometimes they've got merit selection. And so every state has a different process. North Carolina, though, elects their judges. And all the judges in North Carolina are elected. So district court and Superior Court, the trial judges, Court of Appeals and Supreme Court judges are all elected. And I'm a district court judge. So as the name implies, I'm elected in a district. When I was first elected, I had Davidson, Davie, Iredale, and Alexander counties, four counties. And I thought that was a big geographical area. Now I'm running statewide to have 100 counties. But as a district court judge, I'm up for re-election every four years. And uh, so I have had five elections and I'm in my the middle of my fifth term at this point and superior court judges they also run in districts as well but they travel a little further than district court judges do because they travel outside of their districts after they're elected and their jurisdiction's different if you hear jury trials most jury trials are in superior court we have some jury trials in district court but it's rare and so most of your jury trials are in superior court and so from the district court and superior courts then you have you your case can go to the court of appeals if you want to appeal the decision in your case and the court of appeals judges run statewide so all 100 Uh counties so anyone who lives and is registered to vote in the state of north carolina can vote for the court of appeals and for the supreme court judges Uh, okay So Court of Appeals and Supreme Court terms, though, are eight-year terms. So I tell everyone it's very important to make sure you vote for the judges. And the reality is that your vote for the judges and the outcome in those elections lasts longer than the outcome in the elections of governor or president because they are eight-year terms. And people really don't pay attention to the judges because unless they get a speeding ticket or they end up (laughs) in a custody battle or, or have an issue you know with the law they generally don't particularly care who the judges are because it doesn't impact them right then and there although who the judges are does actually affect you it may not affect you today but it certainly could affect your family member or it you know who your court of appeals judges are could affect you in the future without you even really knowing it today because the decisions that are made at the court of appeals and even at the supreme court are binding on the trial court so those decisions could affect you if you end up in court later so it's really important to know who your judges are it never ceases to amaze me that even though i've been a judge for 18 years and i'm incredibly active in my community people still don't know who I am sometimes. Yeah. Well, I That's think it's, it's, it's also evident. <laughs> it's also evident on a national level right. how important judges are around the country. I mean, we're seeing it all over the country right mm-hmm. now that oh, yeah. judges are making decisions that, you know, a lot of people don't agree with. Right. Um, so I would say to most people, maybe that's an eye opener to pay attention to who you're electing as a judge. Now you're in a race. How many How many other people are against you right now, April? So I only have one opponent. Oh, okay. And so <laughs> there are five seats open this year for the Court of Appeals, which is unusual. We should have only had three, but a series of retirements and other events led to five. So that's a whole third of the court. But there are five separate seats, and I'm running for seat number four. Okay. And that seat is currently 
currently held by the chief judge and she's hit mandatory retirement. She's turning 72. And so she can't run again. And so I am running for her seat. And my opponent is an attorney out of Raleigh who has no prior judicial experience. Uh Wait, now, does anybody who's running for the Court of Appeals right now have any judicial experience? There are other judges who are running for the Court of Appeals. Actually, all of the Republican candidates are currently judges. And so they all are. I do have other candidates who are Superior Court or Court of Appeals judges. But in my race, I'm the only one who's ever been a judge because I only have one opponent and I'm running for seat four. So I guess the others are attorneys by background? So, you know, the interesting thing about the Court of Appeals that most people don't realize is that you don't ever have to have been a judge to run for the Court of Appeals. But you do have to be a law. You have to be a practicing lawyer. Okay. And there are 15 judges on the Court of Appeals. And of those 15, only one of them has ever been a district court judge and as a matter of fact only three of them total have any prior judicial experience at all and so that leaves 12 judges on the court of appeals who have no prior judicial trial court experience now wait just a minute you can run to be on the court of appeals and never have been a judge before. That's crazy. And huh. don't forget, they're they're looking at the decisions that were made by trial judges right. in district court That's and what superior I was just court thinking. Yeah. and making decisions about whether or not the judge got it right. And so, you know, you as CRNAs would understand that there is no substitute for experience and experience matters. And mm-hmm. so you really need to know right. who you're voting for and to make sure you're casting your vote for the most qualified and most experienced person. Now, can you run for Supreme Court and never have been a judge? Yes. And there are seven judges on oh the God. Supreme Court of North Carolina. And there are three seats currently open for the Supreme Court this term. Wow. All right. That just blows my mind. All right. Now, you talked about merit selection. What does that mean in the judge world? So in some states, they have merit selection. And there's been some conversations in North Carolina about moving to merit selection. Some years, people like it. Some years, they don't. At the end of the day, realistically, no matter how you select your judges, there's going to be some politics involved. And the reason some states do it, though, is because they try to take as much politics as they can out of the process. But It depends on how political your merit selection board is, who appoints the people that are on the merit selection board, as to whether or not it really is a nonpartisan, nonpolitical thing. And in so many states, they found it really is still very political. But merit selection, what they do is they get nominees of, you know, from different parts of the their state for different positions on the judiciary and they look to see who's most qualified and they bring them in they talk to them they vet them sort of like you know you do for the united states supreme court right and then they nominate someone to be appointed for that position and they are supposed to do it based on <laughs> how, qualified how qualified the individual yeah. is yeah. and sometimes Not it ends politics. up being that way and sometimes it is political yeah and the question is whether it's upfront politics like in an election or backdoor politics Ah, uh, yeah. well, yeah, we know true. what that answer is. Well, one of the things I really liked you said was that there's a mandatory retirement age at 72. I, just look, I, wrote, <laughs> yeah, I wrote that I wrote. down. You know, I was like, that would be great, especially at the Supreme Court of the United States. You know, uh, I mean, well, and I'm just saying in general, you know, I mean, there's well, just, 72 is young. 
for some people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 72 for you, is young yes. for some, yes. But, but, you know, I think it's interesting uh, that we have that there. So I got one more question because I'm really, this is very interesting to me. I knew so, you would like this. Um, so You want to come to the people... girls' night one night, don't you, to hear all this? <laughs> I don't know. It always revolves around wine and stuff. Well, it sounds that's fun, okay. you know? It is. How many people voted, if you can re- remember, you know, close for you and in the entire election last time for judge? Do you remember? Down ballot. Because I know whenever I'll jump in and it might help you. In my race, only 17, I think it was 17 or 18 percent of people voted down ballot. In other words, now, and judges are further below than than that. And even in my race, only, I think it was 17 percent voted. But you had, I, I can't remember how many, how many thousands of people voted for you versus your opponent. Do you remember? No. I mean, it was close. It was just a few thousand, wasn't it? I mean, if I remember right. And, I, and the well, reason I'm asking is I'm wondering, you know, are judges being appointed by a very few amount of people mm-hmm. that could be persuaded to go a certain way? Well, you know, in North Carolina now, we're back to partisan races. And so obviously people are going to be persuaded. Right. Uh, by you know the designation on the ballot in most cases but the ones that we try to hit of course are the unaffiliated voters mm-hmm. and which are growing absolutely yeah. they a are by everybody's disenchanted significant <laughs> the yeah. significant percentage the unaffiliated voters continue to grow faster than the republicans or the democrats exactly yeah. and so yes there are very few people that are voting because and part of the problem is that when people get down to the judicial races a lot of times they haven't paid attention right they don't know who those people are i will tell you a little story that when i first ran in 2002 and it was a nonpartisan election that year it was the first year it was nonpartisan in north carolina although it was truly partisan it was nonpartisan on the ballot and so i you know had my name second on the ballot i can tell you what margin i won by then <laughs> but uh so I had a clerk over in Davie County that said, I got to tell you this little story. She said, and don't laugh when I tell you. And I, she said, I voted for you because of your name. And I said, oh, okay. Well, I mean, glad you like my name. She said, well, no. She said, um, she said, you know, my favorite movie is Legally Blonde. And I love Elle Woods. And I knew she would be such a great judge. So when I saw your name, April Wood, I knew I had to vote for you. Oh, my God. Uh, and I laughed so You're hard. Like, I'm like, well, thank you for the vote. <laughs> you know, I mean, that just that was her reason for voting for me. And so wow. a lot of people, though, when they get to the judges, they haven't done their background, you know, checks, and they haven't yeah. done their homework, and they really don't know anything about it. And so some people leave them blank and won't vote at all and then some people will vote strictly on party lines now that we're back to partisan and then some people will just vote on what name they like the best yeah that's true or the sign i'll tell you we we live in david county by the way but my mother-in-law is the best so she will research every single person on there she types it all out, what they stand for, whether they're party affiliated, you know, and she sends it out to everybody she knows. And I mean, she's straight down the line. She doesn't slant it, but she tells, you know, this is what they stand for. Mm-hmm. This is their platform. This is blah, blah, blah. And I'm telling you, that is immensely helpful for me yeah. because a lot of times you're right. You don't know. I mean, I've never been in your court. Knock on wood. I hope I never am, you know. But Now I know who to be looking for. <laughs> It'd be fun, April. Um, 
But, you know, I mean, those are things that... Because she does have that district. I know. That's what I was going <laughs> um, You come visit anytime. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, those are things that most people don't enjoy and they don't know about it. I mean, I think that was kind of the point there is, you know, right. people just don't know what they don't know. Exactly. Um, and until they end up in your court and find out that you are... You know, uh, we won't say that word, but, um, <laughs> the, you know, and then they're not going to vote for you. <laughs> Kidding, April, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> well, let's go back to this whole thing about Supreme Court justices. Explain why Supreme Court is a lifetime appointment, because we had this discussion one night. Well, the reason why they're lifetime appointments is because they're supposed to be fair and impartial. They're not supposed to be swayed by anybody. They're not supposed to be swayed by any political faction. Uh -uh, And uh -uh. I'm just telling you, they're supposed to be. (laughs) (laughs) They're not supposed to be influenced by anyone. They're not supposed to, you know, have favoritism one way or the other. And the reason why they're there for a life and they get to choose is because they're deemed to be intelligent enough to know when it's time for them to step down and let someone else take the reins but Mm. it really is to keep them from being influenced by anybody by the president or by the senate or the house they're just supposed to be impartial what i think we want to get across is that nurse anesthetists need to pay attention yeah to the judiciary it's i mean you've changed mine and kimberly's mind course whenever we were in the court of appeals years ago i wish i would have known a little bit more i wish i would have known what i know now (laughs) right yeah yeah well you know i think for me this just opened my eyes in the little bit of time that we spent together i mean i don't spend that much time thinking about who the judges are but i know in the last few years i've thought about it a little more in light of the environment that we're going through politically right now but yeah, I think it's interesting and every CRNA should know this stuff and pay attention and every person should know this and pay attention. But I think the thing that hit me the most is eight years. So yeah. whatever vote you cast is for eight years. That's true. And one thing I do want to point out is that just in general, everything really should have some balance to it. And I don't know if your listeners are aware that there are seven justices on the Supreme Court of North Carolina, and there are six Democrats and one Republican. And currently, that Republican, Justice Newby's up for re-election. He's running for chief justice seat. And if he loses, and the other two who are running with him on the Republican ticket lose, the court, the Supreme Court will be 7-0. And there will be no balance on the Supreme Court. And so I think that a lot of people like to have some balance because you don't want to skew too far left or too far right. You want people to be able to, you know, have balance and be able to debate and have some conversation. And realistically, the courts are supposed to be fair and impartial. So it really shouldn't matter (laughs) what your affiliation is. But in reality, a lot of times your affiliation denotes where you fall and your ideology. And so it's important to have some balance. And I think that the listeners should obviously really look into those races and do a deep dive into who's the most qualified for those positions because the Supreme Court is the final say on the law in North Carolina. And that affects everybody that affects crnas doctors it affects you know moms and dads it affects everyone in the state of north carolina right. Right. well i think the american public tries to go for balance i think that's the reason why you will see 
even in congressional levels, all of a sudden a party, yeah, yeah, the party will only control one house. And I think our forefathers were pretty smart about figuring that out so that there there's some checks and balances in there but well, I, think, I think our, i think what you're saying is it was built on no one getting 100 percent of what they want right yeah and to well me, that's why that's, I, I think i do a great decision when i make <laughs> that decision in my car no one's happy then i probably made a good you decision. know what and i think that's probably the case if no one's happy then if it's something you can live with, right? You know, something that's fair. Something that's fair it may not you be what you with. want, but you can you live want. with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, April. How can people learn more about you? So I have a website, and that is www.judgewoodforcoa.com. So. COA stands for Court of Appeals, so Judge Wood for COA.com. I also have a Facebook page, Judge April C. Wood. I'm on Instagram. I do not really like Twitter. You might occasionally <laughs> find me there. Maybe once a month I'll tweet something, but you can also look me up on Twitter, which is Judge Wood for COA. And how would someone find out outside of your website the person you're running against with you, kind of like my mother-in-law does? I've never asked her how she did it, but... How would they find out more about what your platform is versus your opponent? Outside of my website? Yeah. <laughs> Talking to people. <laughs> okay. All right. And, you know, I've been a judge now for 18 years, so there's a lot of people <laughs> across yeah. the state of North Carolina yeah. you could talk to to find out about me. And for people, if they don't look at the voter guides, the Board of Elections will put out a voter guide. They're going to be putting it out soon that will list all of the judicial candidates. There are 16. So there are eight Republicans, eight Democrats for eight seats. And so there are 16 judges that they're going to have in the voter guide that there is small blurbs, but it'll at least put a picture out there for you and they mail them to everybody's home. And in those voter guides, you'll have the information of the people's websites. So you can go and actually investigate them. If you want to have the information before the voter guide, you can obviously go to the Republican, North Carolina Republican website or the North Carolina Democrat website because both <laughs> both parties have got the information about their candidates on their websites. And you can also go to the North Carolina State Board of Elections website, ncsbe.gov, and look up the candidates under the races and you'll find the names of everyone who's running for each particular seat. So there's a lot of ways you can find out who's running. Yeah. I've got kind of a funny story. I have her magnetic signs on the side of my car and they don't say vote for April Wood. It just says Judge April Wood. Right. Court of Appeals on it. And so I'll have people who will blaze by me on the road and they'll happen to see the signs and they'll slow down because they think that I'm the judge. Or, I wish I could give speeding tickets out. <laughs> or whenever I am, I go through a drive through or something, people say, are you Judge Wood? And I'll say, no. Hadn't I seen you in my courtroom? <laughs> she's a really good friend of mine. Or or what's uh, funny is I had a lady pull up beside of me the other day. She had a convertible, and she's just waving like crazy. Hey, April. Hey, April. <laughs> yeah, because you can obviously tell say, from the hair that you both look a lot alike. Yeah, so. right. <laughs> I was say, for those who don't know, I, I've got dark brown hair yes. <laughs> Sharon's got nice light blonde hair so. <laughs> we look funny. so much alike yeah. yeah yeah exactly and I'm only about 
10 inches taller than our <laughs> on top of that. <laughs> oh, well, April, I have learned a lot today. We want to thank you for being here with us today. But before, is there anything that you'd like to conclude on or maybe tell our listeners? Well, I would just like to say thank you so much for letting me be here with you this evening. I've enjoyed it. I'm glad you've been able to learn. Feel free to reach out through my website or Facebook and ask any questions you might have. And also, just remember to vote for the judges. These judicial races are incredibly important, and it may not affect you today, but it can affect you tomorrow and in the future. And I just want to also remind your listeners that I am running for seat four on the North Carolina Court of Appeals, and I am the only one who is running for that court of appeals seat who has any judicial experience at all and i bring with me 18 years of knowledge and hands-on judicial experience so vote for judge wood for court of appeals i like it you know there's a saying out there bring the wood (laughs) (laughs) she's bringing the wood (laughs) to the bench there we go bringing the wood to the bench (laughs) i like that a lot but Uh, outside of that april is a political animal I mean, and she's a great strategist, and I have just learned a tremendous amount from her. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. All right, Sharon. Well, I think that's a wrap. I think so. We want to thank our listeners for listening to Beyond the Mass with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. If you like our show, want to know more, check out our other episodes on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, leave us a review, but only if it's positive and there's enough negativity in the world. Until next time. It's a wrap. Today's show was made possible by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services, customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. Call the team at 855-304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. And thanks for your support of Beyond the Mask. Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists and President and Founder of Our Hearts, Your Hands, a global anesthesia support community that takes donations to allow nurse anesthetists in low and middle income countries to go to educational programs, buy equipment or textbooks. Your donations are tax deductible and we would appreciate your support. OSA EMR is a free anesthesia EMR developed by CRNAs that you can download and use on an iPad. Our nonprofit mission is to make sure that solo and small practice CRNAs can digitally record their anesthetics. To learn more, visit OSAEMR.com to download and consider donating to our cause. Remember, for CRNAs, data is destiny. Like what you're hearing? Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode 
to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA History Series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry, or try the CRNA Personal Finance Series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social. Check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group.